Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Saudi Arabia has set the summer transfer window on fire with numerous superstars such as Karim Benzema and N'Golo Kante following Cristiano Ronaldo to the Saudi Pro League. Saudi clubs are offering massive contracts to these players. But what's the motive behind these investments? And will it be sustainable? We spoke with three different experts to find out. My name is Sam van Raalte and welcome to the 433 Podcast. Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, the PIF, has taken control of the four biggest clubs in the nation. Abdulaziz Al Rabah is a sports journalist from Saudi Arabia. I called him to shed light on the country's football culture and the meaning of these investments for the people of Saudi Arabia. There's a lot of obsession football in Saudi Arabia, sports in general, but football mainly. And that it's not recent, like since the 70s. If you just take a look at some games in the 70s, you'll see full crowd. And the other aspect, uh, it's about the, um, the quality of life. It's about creating the better environment, engaging people a lot in sport. That's part of the entertainment and the sport plan that has been uh, announced like five or six years ago. Plus, making the Saudi League one of the uh, best ten. This plan started like five years ago. And uh, the impact of it is very clear. If we are talking about the Saudi club's performance in uh, AFC Champions League in Asia, like total dominance. Ronaldo, of course, arrived. Now Benzema recently arrived. What's the impact been from Ronaldo after his arrival during the last season uh, so far? What's the impact been in Saudi Arabia? Every team Nasser plays against. Uh, definitely it's full crowd. Everyone wants to come to see Ronaldo because some teams are smaller, but everyone comes to see Ronaldo. I mean, even the broad- broadcast and the coverage of the Saudi Arabia League uh, it's totally different after Ronaldo. 
So that's the impact of Ronaldo. Stadiums are full, a lot more international uh, media coverage. Now, because Karim Benzema also signed and uh, other players are going to sign soon as well or or have already signed, it's very clear that it's not just Ronaldo, right? A ton of players are going to Saudi Arabia in the coming years. Especially, I think, when Benzema arrived, people were like, okay, this is going to be serious because it's not just Ronaldo. More and more superstars will Mm -hmm. be coming. When Benzema arrived, what was the impact like? I've been covering the uh, presentation of Benzema and by numbers, I think it's the third or the fourth in the history of the presentations of the players. The first one is Ronaldo, 80, uh, 75 or 80 spectator came to the Santiago Bernabeu when he moved to Real Madrid. Then uh, Maradona, I think Benzema was 61, 62. So there was like huge 62,000 people gathered in the stadium to see. Benzema being uh, presented uh, as an Etihad player. Wow. I mean, if you if you speak with any player uh, about the Saudi league, uh, they're not going to think twice, you know. After Ronaldo and Benzema, um, a lot of players want to come. Uh, personally, I received some uh, calls from people I know. They work in, in uh, agencies or something. They're trying to offer a player or trying to find a way to find trying to find the connection uh, to offer this player. Of course, uh, Lionel Messi also had the opportunity to go to Saudi Arabia, had a big, big offer as well. Uh, He chose to go to Miami, uh, even though he's an ambassador for Saudi Arabia tourism. How was it received in Saudi Arabia that Messi chose Miami over a transfer to Saudi Arabia? Anyone who has a chance to sign Messi definitely they're not as hesitate to sign Messi. And of course, a lot of people, they put a lot of, of hope in it and it, did, it didn't it did happen. There's one point or another, uh, there will be some disappointment. And do you think it will hurt the project? No, 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 no. no it, I don't think at all it will hurt the project. At all. While Saudi Arabian clubs are now signing top players from Europe, last year, the fifth pro union for professional football players advised against signing with clubs from Saudi Arabia due to salary payment issues. Sean Choi is an experienced football agent who's conducted business with Saudi Arabian clubs. I called him to explain what's changed since the public investment fund took over the four biggest clubs of Saudi Arabia. The principle is the same. However, now with uh, the state backing, etc., you have, of course, uh, carte blanche. Well, before, uh, a lot of Saudi clubs came in financial troubles because they had signed players that they could not afford because actually how it worked was that there was like a group of people, mostly princes or business uh, wealthy businessmen who said, okay, um, uh, we want to bring this player. But then at the end of the year or the season, they could not uh, pay his salary anymore or they didn't want to pay because of whatever reason, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple of years later, because the players and the agents had gone to FIFA and to CAS, and they were awarded the money that they were uh, owed by the clubs, then the government came in and then paid for the, let's say, fuck-ups of the clubs. I mean, in the recent years, uh, the government has tried, the Ministry of Sport and the General Authority of Sport, it's called, have tried to eliminate these problems and also to, you know, try to uh, correct the image of the Saudi uh, uh, sports by um, limiting 
the clubs of you know doing certain things. But at the end of the day, a lot of things still went wrong. I mean, Itihad signed a lot of players uh, back in the time. They had signed Karim Alamadi, or in Arabic, Karim Al-Ahmadi from uh, Feyenoord. Uh, he had gotten a rel- relatively low salary, uh, uh, which was still almost around $2 million. But uh, other players were getting like $4 million, $4.5 million in, in the case of um, Alexander Priovic and uh 10 million transfer fee you know mm. and they had like five of these like gary mendez rodriguez mm. and can you imagine like they paid for four players f- 40 to 50 million transfer fee that which they didn't pay and all of them had like four years contract of four million salary per year so this was like a really big thing for them to uh to pay back and they couldn't so then the government stepped in and sometime it was on time and sometime it wasn't because then, for example, Itihad was penalized and they weren't allowed to play in the Asian Champions League uh, and they had a transfer ban. Most recently, Al-Ali also had a transfer ban because they had not paid a lot of things. Uh, they had actually sent the player away after three days uh, in the protected period of FIFA so that when you cannot actually uh, fire a player or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were... Uh, slapped with a transfer ban for two windows but somehow they have a very good lawyer by the way from switzerland they were uh, able to um, to get the ban lifted i don't know how it really works but then again you know it's uh hmm. it's it's money money talks yes at the end of the day yeah. so so there have been a yeah. lot of trouble uh, in the past with uh, uh, paying, especially the salaries of players, like you mentioned. Yes. Yeah. I think even the the Fifth Pro, the Union for Footballers, they last year they advised players not to sign in Saudi Arabia because of this. How do you think this will change uh, in the current climate in Saudi Arabia with the current? Yeah, I don't think it will change. Uh, I used to speak to a prince. I won't. Uh, he was one of the uh, presidents of uh, one of the big clubs. I can say which club, it's Al Nasser. And he was telling me, I asked him, why you don't pay these salaries? Why do you have like tens of cases, you know, against your club? He said, well, I want to see the player first. (laughs) So, uh, and I said, well, then you can also send your scouts or actually fly there to have, uh, you know, your people watch the player. Now I I want to see how he does in my team against other Saudi clubs, you know? So Mm. it's, um, it's a mentality you can't change, you know? So they have also tried to professionalize uh, the the league. Uh, for example, the PIF has this committee looking uh, and approving players. Same like in Qatar, they have this guy called Antero Enrique. He used to be the sports director of Porto and then afterwards of PSG. Hmm. And um, he he's the one who's deciding who comes or who doesn't. So I also heard he was involved with the Ronaldo deal because he's Portuguese. Uh, so there's a lot of conflict of interest going on. Uh, it's a power grab, you know, uh, and people who are uh, involved from the beginning, they, they have uh, a lot of involvement and a lot of power. Yeah. Do you think, uh, because now, of course, a lot of players from uh, the highest caliber are coming, uh, Benzema, Ronaldo, do you think Saudi Arabian clubs will find it difficult to pay these salaries as well in the long run if players don't live up to expectations? Definitely, because um, so basically they think that if you bring Messi or Ronaldo, it's going to change a lot. So first of all, when before Ronaldo came, the club Al Nasser was actually first in the league. Uh, well, they they didn't win the league this year, right? Mm. So Ronaldo had some uh, 
mixed matches. He he had one match he scored four goals, a super hat trick you call it, I think. And then you had matches that he was trying to be, uh, you know, Ronaldo, but he couldn't. And uh, they had lost the league, you know. So there's a lot of uh, people opposing uh, what's happening. But, you know, the Saudis love it. You know, when you talk to them, they're like, oh, wow, we can bring anyone now. Yes. And I was really skeptical about uh, Benzema coming. So I said, well, it's just speculations. You guys always say things like uh, that person is coming and also Messi is coming. And I send my friends in Saudi always like uh, the memes of Saudi uh, Messi not coming and the news that he went to uh, Miami I'm like sending to everybody again you know <laughs> see you told me like Messi was coming you know but uh, some things money can't buy however a lot of players do want to come and also like um, I was involved with uh, Marcao it's a Brazilian player from China to Alali uh, last January somehow okay uh, but <laughs> he uh, he's on a lot of money uh, but nobody knows him because he was top scorer in China he was top scorer in Korea However, uh, he wanted to leave because they were late with his salary. And now all of a sudden he's changed his mind. He's staying, you know. So I think also like, OK, now he know, sees the the, the, the the league is getting stronger. Um, you know, uh, actually, the league has already uh, become stronger, uh, you know, just before uh, Ronaldo came. You know, it's not only Ronaldo. It's, uh, they have had brought some good players in. Uh, so basically... Uh, and some of them actually went back to Europe, you know. Mm. He also, Ziyech, he uh, didn't pass the medical. So not everybody can come, you know. Mm. It's not like they are very desperate to bring these players. Why would you fail the medical of uh, Hakim Ziyech when you really want him? Mm-hmm. You know, they're like also very conscious of their money. So at the lo- in the long run, I think they're going to really think about who is going to come in. And it's also going to fade out a little bit that now they're like overpaying too much for players. And, you know, mm. and everybody's asking too much money now. Exactly. Uh, all even mediocre players. Yes. So uh, when there's a lot of money involved, of course, a lot of people want to either bring their players there or players want to go there. Do you feel like in the world of football agents that agents are now scrambling to bring their players to Saudi Arabia? Yes. Yes and no. Of course, the top players won't come. I mean, Luka Modric, they try to bring him. Um, so, uh, But Luka Modric had signed a new deal with Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, there are also some players who have principles, according to them. You know, I don't know what the <laughs> principles are. But at the end of the day, yes, a lot of agents, uh, especially from uh, Southern Europe, Portugal, Spain, uh, but also Brazil and Latin America, they're all trying to bring them. But recently, I have a funny thing. Is like uh, I, I was eyeing a player from uh, Open. It's a Belgian club, mm. and it's a Bosnian national team player called Privilyak. Smile is uh, Privilyak. He's a very good striker. Um, also interested in bringing him to China before. So his agents are uh, Dieter Hunes or something, and uh, another uh, German guy. Uh, yeah, family. Yes, of Hunes. Uh, mm. So. I asked them if they were interested and uh, they were like, nah, you know, no, no, not for any money in the world. And they were, he would play in Europe. Now his agents are offering the player again in Saudi Arabia uh, mm. to the club that I do a lot of business with. So, I mean, um, you know, these uh, normally uh, Northern uh, Western European agents or players, they're not really interested in coming, but now all of a sudden they are, you know, so It's and uh, but it's mostly Africans, um, you know, Southern European, uh, Eastern European players that 
you know, will consider coming to uh, to Saudi. So you see a lot of uh, requests and also agents that never wanted to speak to me because they, they thought they were bigger than whoever. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, they're like open to do a Zoom call, you know, because mm-hmm. they know that I have some very good con- contacts in a few clubs. And I've done a few deals in the last few years. So it's it's changing. Yes, definitely. So last question, how do you see it all play out? Do you think the Saudi league will be sustainable in the long run or do you think it will fold like the project in China? Look, um, Saudi is not as uh, relying on the economy as China. So China is depending on exports of uh, uh, goods that they produce, you know, and export uh, mm. abroad. But Saudi and then, and, and, for example, uh, the real estate market, because most of the clubs were owned by real estate tycoons. But um, when this when uh, when they were hit by Corona, uh, a lot of the clubs went bankrupt. Right. And also the economy is still suffering. However, oil is uh, an essential thing that everybody needs. Yes. So mm-hmm. um, the oil prices still go up every every day. And, and the Saudis do not only rely on oil, but um, they have like long term investments uh, through the PIF. Uh, the PIF also makes shitload of money on their own people you know uh, because for example um uh, they have like uh, um like these uh, concerts or whatever and they let the the saudis pay a lot of money for this mm. and with that they can like pay for it you know mm. so basically uh, they've commercialized a lot of things and um I think they're doing it in a right way they have a model to sustain themselves however uh, if you pay too much, you know. Uh, I mean, you can't compare with uh, with China, yes, because mm. when China was paying a lot of money, we're talking about maybe 12, 20 million uh, salary for a player. Yeah. But if you're talking about Benz- Benzema or Ronaldo money, it's different level, yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's kind of the um, uh, the problem that we're getting. You know, uh, I don't see it sustaining itself, but uh, the economy is uh, quite okay. Yeah. So I think that with that, they could, uh, you know, keep the league going. Uh, however, I don't think they should be paying these kind of salaries. And uh, But th- that's my opinion. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now that we've heard about the impact on the Saudi people and the changes in dealing with Saudi Arabian clubs since the PIF takeover, it's time to find out what's the broader strategy behind all of this. Are there also geopolitical goals involved? Simon Chetwick is a professor in sports and geopolitical economy at the Schema Business School, I call it, and he shared his insights on the political motivation behind Saudi Arabia's investments in football. 
a lot of people seem to think that this has come from nowhere, uh, particularly in football, but it hasn't. All right. So, so you, you go back to 2015, and, and in 2015, the Saudi government was already talking about reforming Saudi Arabian football. And, and at that point in 2015, they were, they were saying, we, we want to create a plan to privatize the football clubs. So at, at, at the very least, this is eight years in the making because mm. it started in 2015. Fundamentally, I think there are two, there are two, uh, there are two major underlying factors. The first one is, is that Saudi Arabia wants to diversify its economy because it's hugely dependent upon oil revenues. Hmm. And obviously we live in a world where climate change and fossil fuel consumption is is a big issue. Uh, look at the projections and you'll see that oil consumpti- consumption is projected to increase up to 2045. And then after 2045, consumption decreases dramatically. Hmm. So essentially... Saudi Arabia has got 20 years to reform economically. Interesting. So so in in terms of these these in terms of these economic reforms there are a number of 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 priorities for Saudi Arabia. One is alternative energy, uh, another is is tourism, um another one is is uh digital development, but one of them is sport. So there's something about diversification. The second big, the second big underlying factor is that is one of security, essentially. And 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 by security, what I mean is the security of the ruling family. Hmm. The ruling family is afraid of another Arab Spring. Hmm. So it it doesn't want um, people challenging its position. And this is really important in Saudi Arabia because 70%, 70% of the Saudi Arabian population is aged under 35. So this is a Gen Z population. Saudi Arabia has a Gen Z population. And of course, the Gen, this Gen Z population has been born and brought up on you know, Instagram and Netflix and Real Madrid and you know, Gucci handbags and dance music. And and so the ruling family is concerned that you know at some stage they, they might they might start questioning the government and questioning the ruling family. Mm. So 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 right now in Saudi Arabia, there is essentially a new social contract emerging, and the social contract essentially is, you know, tell us what you want and you've got it. So you you want Ronaldo? You got him. You want you want mixed martial arts and WWE bouts in the in in the country? You got it. Uh, you want the world's biggest rave? You got it. So just before Christmas last year, this was in Saudi Arabia. So but so basically, Mohammed bin Salman is saying to to the the Gen Z population, whatever you want, you got it. Hmm. That's but, really interesting. But don't. But don't question us. That's the crucial detail. But don't question us. And 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 what we've seen this year is is a is a rise in the number of people being arrested for posting negative comments about Saudi Arabia on social media. Hmm. 
That's interesting. So, 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 they, so, they, so it's about economic transformation, but it's also about internal security as well. Hmm. I guess, I, I guess, the other thing to say about all of this is is that Saudi, you know, Mohammed bin Salman sees Saudi Arabia as being at the centre of a new world because he thinks that Europe is dying. He thinks that 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 the United States will also die, and and China is struggling post COVID. So there's an opportunity for a country to assert itself globally, and that is Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and 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 so you know this is not just spending money on football; it's spending money on golf, it's spending money on raves, it's spending money on. You know, acquiring big stakes in in Indian digital platforms, acquiring chemical companies around the world. So this is this is all part of a of a grand plan that Saudi Arabia has to be one of the most powerful countries in the world. Hmm. So you know, the, the pivotal moment in all of this is is the point at which Mohammed bin Salman became the de facto leader of Saudi Arabia, because what he started to do is is he started to transform what had gone previously. So somebody is a Saudi Arabian, um, a Saudi Arabian said to me earlier this year, for the last 50 years, Saudi Arabia has essentially been run by, run like a communist country. Hmm. So big state, big government intervention, as I say, very bureaucratic, very slow, often corrupt. And, and, and Mohammed bin Salman is trying to change that. And so what we what we're now seeing is is an outcome of this change in government and governance. Very interesting. You mentioned how the economy can be helped. Uh, you, you mentioned how it's also a bit of a trade off with the population. Like we give you whatever you want, but don't question us. But also, Saudi Arabia has a little bit of an image problem abroad huh? because of uh, a lot of things, uh, LGBTQ rights, of course, the death of uh, Khashoggi. Mm, do you think this also plays a role in their uh, willingness to invest in football like this? Yes. So there is absolutely no doubt that there are image and reputational benefits associated with um being a high-profile member of the the global sporting community, and and with those image and reputational benefits, it begins to shape people's perceptions and attitudes. You know, and 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 as an English guy, everywhere I go in the world, if I say to someone, "What's your favourite Premier League team?" they'll give me an answer. <laughs> so you know, we 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 know that that sport is a global language. You know, everybody speaks the language of sport. And people people do form their opinions about countries based on very often football, but you know, on other sports as well. You know, the, the best example that I very often use, I always say to my new students, tell me about Brazil. That's all I say. Tell me about Brazil. And, and the way in which they, of course, they frame their views of Brazil is based on Brazilian football. And of course, their views of Brazilian football. So they don't tell you about Bolsonaro and, and deforest deforestation in the Amazon, or about you know ethnic divisions and racism in in Brazil. They talk about oh Pele hmm. and Ronaldo, Ronaldo and Ronaldinho and Neymar and sexy football and beaches and you know, that that is the narrative that many of us adhere to when we talk about Brazil. 
And and as I say, when I meet people, nobody ever wants to talk about the brutal British colonial history. <laughs> what they want to talk about is they want to talk about the Premier League. That's what they want to talk about. So you know, there is absolutely no doubt that there are image and reputational benefits associated with being a prominent member of the uh, the global sport community. Last question. There are also plans to host the World Cup uh, in the future. How important do you think this will be for the plans of Saudi Arabia? It is very, very important. I think there's a really important dimension to this, is that Saudi Arabia sees itself as being an Afro-Eurasian hub. Hmm. So it sees itself as being the country that links Europe, Africa and Asia. This I talked about you know, this new, wor- new world and a new global order. Saudi Arabia sees itself as being at the centre of a new world. It's an Afro-Eurasian hub. And, and this is a really, really, really important detail in, in you know, underpinning everything that I've said. Saudi Arabia sees football as the means to other ends. So this is not just – Saudi Arabia isn't, isn't investing in football just because it likes football. Saudi Arabia is investing in football because it is a means to other ends. It's evident that Saudi Arabia is passionate about football. But the country's leadership also has geopolitical motives behind these football investments. It'll be interesting to observe if the nation can sustain these investments in the long run while also focusing on infrastructure development and youth programs to create a sustainable league. For now, at the very least, the people of Saudi Arabia can enjoy watching some of the world's best players in their local league. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 433 Podcast. Stay tuned for the next one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.